It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Joe Burrow is still worth watching Bengals fans as the Bengals wind down Zach Taylor's second year. Find out if the Bengals will keep Zach Taylor if he earns his keep as you watch Joe Burrow conclude his first season in the NFL. And while you do, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watch it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with my co-host and your other host, James Rapine. James, we're going to talk today about the injury outlook heading into week 11 against the Washington football team. They are getting some significant pieces back on the offensive line, and other offensive line pieces are injured. We should see a clear path for Quinton Spain in the wake of that injury, and that's where we're going to start the show today before we talk about the significance of this stretch of winnable games for Zach Taylor and the coaching staff. Finally, it is Friday, most likely for you as you listen to this episode. Maybe it's Saturday. We're going to get into our Washington football team, Cincinnati Bengals preview to wrap up the week and wrap up today's show. James, let's get started with the injuries and what they mean for this weekend. James, let's just go through the list, the long list of players upgraded to full, and we'll start with the good news on today's practice report. Mackenzie Alexander, who suffered a concussion on Sunday, is already back to being a full participant in practice according to today's injury report. That is an astounding recovery for him. Meanwhile, Jesse Bates, Mike Daniels, A.J. Green, and Jermaine Pratt all returned to practice after they missed part or all of Wednesday's practice for non-injury-related reasons. Bobby Hart was back at practice along with his other bookend, Jonah Williams. Both of those guys went full. And LaShawn Sims, also coming back from that concussion, was a full participant in practice on Thursday. It's huge. Huge to get those guys back. Bobby Hart. Who would have thought? (laughs) Who would have thought that Bobby Hart's return, you'd be like, let's go, which is exactly what you did tongue in cheek a little bit before the podcast started. But still, it uh, it certainly helps in the trenches. Um, Really good injury news all around, except for a couple of guys. Even Geno Atkins was back at practice uh, after missing last week due to the birth of his daughter. Everybody's healthy, like you said yesterday. So that's great. But Joe Mixon. Still out, the foot injury. I don't know what's going on, Jake, because at this point, I mean, last week he was at least on the rehab field. He wasn't even out there for the open media portion of practice on Thursday. Same goes with Wednesday. I don't know what's going on, if he had a setback or not. I asked Zach last week if Mixon had had a setback. He said no. Well, 
he's almost, this is his fourth missed game, five weeks because of the bye. I mean, he could almost have two IR stints in this range, and he's still on the active roster. Foot injuries are tricky. There's a wide range of recoveries, a wide range of injuries, and maybe they mismanaged it. There's always that possibility that, you know, the radiologist misread the MRI or the team or doctors or somebody screwed something up in the rehab uh, process. It's also possible that he had a setback this week since you asked that question. But foot injuries are complex. It isn't necessarily surprising to see that he still is out. I think this is always a possibility, but it does feel like perhaps this was a little undersold. I think the team has been expecting Mixon to be back. Taylor describing him even this week as day-to-day. And how long did we hear him describe A.J. Green as day-to-day or week-to-week last year? Hopefully it's not the same situation. Hopefully Mixon can get healthy. But honestly, at this point in the season, the offense somewhat working without him much more important that they keep him healthy in the long term than rushing him back this year and risking an aggravation, given the state of the season and, and like I said, the effectiveness of the offense without Mixon. Also, non-participants in practice on Thursday, T. Higgins came down with an illness. Now, if this was COVID-related, we would know about it, most likely anyway. And Other uh, injuries of note here, Alex Redmond, who was a limited participant yesterday with a biceps injury, might have sustained that injury in practice as he was downgraded to a non-participant on Thursday. And Tony Brown, who started for the Bengals last week, has a foot injury that kept him from practicing. And it's a good thing that LaShawn Sims is back because with the plethora of Bengals cornerbacks on the practice squad and active roster that are hurt, or otherwise unavailable due to, the, due to the COVID list, they are still very thin at corner. They are, but it seems like they're going to have their good corners back for the most part. And I'm not trying to be mean to the guys that played last week, but they just they, they hadn't gotten a lot of reps, and that's just the reality of it. So hopefully these guys can go. Obviously, Darius Phillips on IR is the one starter that you're not going to have. But if you have LaShawn Sims... If you have Mackenzie Alexander to go along with William Jackson, you feel pretty good about where you are. Now, can they stay healthy? Will they stay healthy? Obviously the question. But the the interesting name there to me is Alex Redmond and that biceps. Because if he's out, I would assume that that means it's Quentin Spain time at right guard. I would certainly hope so, expect so. I think the way that his teammates have talked about him, the way that he's played, the way that he's been willing to play This will be the the third position he'll have played for the Bengals in three weeks. So I think he's earned it. I'd love to see him get a shot. And the way that people are talking about him, I think that it's very possible to probable that he's an improvement at the position. When's Spain going to get on the active roster, Jake? That's That's the funny part. This guy's a practice squad guy that all these young offensive linemen, Akeem Adeniji on Thursday, was talking about how much he's learned from him. And you've seen him play two spots. Maybe he does play a third spot on Sunday. What a what a great, great pickup by this Bengals team. And up next, how important is Sunday's game against Washington for Zach Taylor's future? Plus, we'll dive into the game itself. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. So whether you got your feet up watching in front of your 50-inch screen watching Joe Burrow through touchdowns, or if you're watching on your phone, Pepsi 
is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Jake, the Bengals play Washington in Washington. Zach Taylor's looking for his first road win. I want to get into the X's and O's, and we are going to get into the X's and O's in a bit on offense and defense. But let's start with this. Taylor doesn't have a road win. I look at that. I look at the the beatdown that he suffered and the Bengals suffered at the hands of the Steelers. And there's been two times this year where momentum seemed to be going the Bengals' way. After the week three tie and week four win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, then week five, they get beat down by the Ravens. Three weeks in a row, they're building some momentum, barely lose to the Colts, barely lose to the Browns. Then they beat the Titans, bye. Then they get their doors blown off by the Steelers. To me, this four-week stretch starting this Sunday with Washington is kind of prove-it time for Zach Taylor. Is, is that fair? I think that it's fair insofar as the teams that the Bengals play in the next four games contains a bunch of games that the Bengals are either favored or very narrowly underdogs in, or at least they should be. I think they're still dogs against Washington. I haven't looked at how the line has moved, but if if it hasn't moved, they're still one and a half point underdogs, which is very close. And then they go play New York in Cincinnati and the New York Giants, not a very good football team. They'll probably be slightly favored in that game, if I had to guess. Then in December, they go down to Miami. They play the Dolphins in Miami for the second straight year. Tua versus Burrow. The Dolphins a much better team. The Dolphins at this point are 6-3. and three. They've won five games in a row. Their next two games against the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets, both very winnable games for them. They could be 8-3 and three by the time the Bengals show up in Miami. So that is not a game that maybe early in the season we thought would be a close game or maybe even Bengals favored. We we now see this as a game where I think the Bengals are going to be at least three-point dogs, if not more. I could easily see it being more if Miami continues to win games. And then the Cowboys come to Cincinnati, and this is a game that in the preseason we looked at the other way. We thought, oh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, the Bengals are probably going to lose this game. And now... Andy Dalton most likely going to be the starting quarterback for the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense non-existent could be another shootout for sure because Andy Dalton can perform against bad defenses. Going to be very interesting to see how Dalton plays coming back to Cincinnati, whether you get prime time Andy, whether there's something that gets to him or whether he has a full on revenge game, but that's a winnable game. So is this a make or break stretch for Taylor? If he goes out of this stretch at 0 and 4, I think all hope is lost. Now, 
they could come out of that and, and win the last three. If they come out and somehow bounce back and beat the Steelers in Cincinnati and the Steelers are still at full strength and they, they beat the Texans and they beat the Ravens, well, then maybe that's enough. If they, if they have those quality wins against good teams and the Steelers and Ravens, assuming that they're relatively healthy at that point in the year. But if this next four-game stretch does go awry, and I think this is what you're talking about, then things look pretty bleak for the future of Zach Taylor. Now, will the Bengals see it that way? I'm not convinced yet. I think that the Bengals organization does have a longer leash extended to Zach Taylor than the fans do. Probably. And naturally, they're a little more patient. I just... I think, and even just this Sunday, because I, I'm, you're right. Like I look at this four week stretch as kind of a stretch where he could kind of make his hay and guarantee himself a, a third season. Right? You went three of four. You put yourself in a pretty good position to to go four and four in the second half of the year, and that's that's positive momentum going into 2021. But here's the thing: if he doesn't win at Washington, where's the road win coming? We well, you, you just talked about Miami. I mean, is it Houston? I mean, maybe, maybe, That's where it would but, be. Yeah. but, but, or, or it doesn't happen. So you're zero and 16 on the road. So like, let's just focus on Sunday. It sounds crazy, but I think he's got to win this game and it doesn't mean he's got to win this game or he's out. I don't mean that, but to me, good coaches don't take two years to show that they're at least okay to, to, to flash enough. And that's all I'm asking for here. I'm not asking him to go 7-0 and and get the Bengals into the playoffs. I, I think it's pretty reasonable. And it starts with this offense and this defense going to Washington and getting their first road win. Yeah, it's interesting because he is the head coach, right? And to me, I'm mostly judging Zach Taylor right now on the offense. I don't think he's terribly involved with the defense. I think he gives those guys a lot of autonomy to do their own thing. So... For you, James, I know that, you know, for a head coach, it comes down to winning, losing football games. It comes down to the whole team. Zach Taylor is responsible for the whole team. But you talk about wanting to see flashes from Zach Taylor. We've seen some flashes. We saw them beat the Titans. We've seen them play a bunch of close games. So it sounds to me more like you're looking for team-wide consistency and growth. And it's, and and for you, is it more than just the offense? Because, you know, he is the head coach, so he is responsible for the whole team. Well, sure. And maybe flashes aren't the right thing, but look, one win, the 2002 Bengals won a game and they were awful like that. You know, one win doesn't, doesn't do much for me. And I I guess that's the, the reality of it. Like, let's talk, let's go with Brian Flores, right? The job he's doing in Miami, they finished five and four last year. You knew right then, oh, Brian's got him buttoned up. Like, you, you, we got our coach. They clearly don't have the talent, but once we get it, he should be able to work with it. I don't think Zach Taylor's shown enough. Brian Flores did it in, in year one at the end of the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick, a veteran quarterback, in, in a roster that wasn't that good. So this year, all I'm asking for, after Zach got a pass, was for him to show it during this back half of the year. And that doesn't mean, again, going five and four, he's not going to do that. Maybe he does, uh, but but I don't think he's going to do that in the final nine. But just show that you can be the guy. And I don't think he has. And to me, if we're two years in and he hasn't shown it, then the answer is he isn't it. Because that's a hell of a long time. It's a hell of a long time to evaluate a coaching staff in this day and age. It just is. It took me one real drive in one game, if you want to say it, to evaluate Joe Burrow and be like, man, he's legit. The final drive against the Chargers. Again, they lost. And you're like, whew, all right, there you go. 
and that's it. So I don't think it takes that long. So that may be the sustained success, but sustained success within reason, because I get it. It is a flawed roster and there are issues and I'm not expecting him to be Bill Belichick and win the next seven in a row, but I do expect him to, to handle business over these, this next month. I think there's a certain feel to teams that, that are close or that they're well coached. And it, and it shows up in games like losing to the Colts 31 to 27, like losing to the Browns the next week, 37, 34, like tying with the Eagles in that game that they very clearly should have won 23, 23. And you can almost give them a pass for the Chargers game because of that OPI call at the end of the game where they're in a position to win a game where I didn't really think they were going to be in much of a position to win the game. So he's been very close, but to your point, they're, they're not winning the games and Joe Burrow, you know, he's going to judge them on wins and losses. And so are the fans. And I'm referring to Joe Burrow's quote that's going around on Twitter right now from Bleacher Report. So I think that there's something to what you're saying. We're looking for that sustained success, that sustained look of a team that is well coached, that is coming together, that isn't melting down, that isn't, you know, looking as they did against the Steelers at times, like they're coming undone. And so I can definitely see that. But let's let's talk about this game in Washington. You think this one is particularly important. This is one of the better chances for him to get a road win this season. I mean, they were very close, again, to doing that against the Colts. They were very close to doing that against the Eagles. But close, obviously, is not quite enough. And so this week against Washington, let's start as as – we're talking about Zach Taylor with that offense. And this is another game where, and this is just going to be the story of the whole season. I think if the Bengals find themselves behind the way they did against Pittsburgh, it's not so much a matter of, of running and passing. It's a matter of how one dimensional is your passing game at that point, And how much can these pass rushers tee off against your offensive line, which is getting healthier, but Whenever you're a straight drop back passing team, it really magnifies the offensive line and your quarterback's ability to make decisions quickly. And so I, I think that game script, again, is going to be a big story this weekend. And they should be able to handle it for two reasons. And we had Chris on the podcast on, on Thursday for the crossover. Washington is awful in the first half. They've been struggling like crazy in the first half. Uh, again, last week, Alex Smith had to, to put on a, a crazy comeback and almost led him to victory. And, and so that's the first thing. And the second one is you can run against this team. So if, if you are Zach Taylor and you're this offensive line, whoever it is, we assume Hart and, and Williams will be back. But you should be able to establish the run a little bit early on. And that doesn't mean you need to do it all game long because – We've seen this offense, specifically week six through eight, when they were really peaking, I think, and just moving like a well-oiled machine. They didn't run the ball a ton, but it was just enough to keep the defense honest. And I think they should be able to do that. But you're right, Jake. The key is I don't want to have Chase Young having to go up against you know Jonah Williams you know for 50 passes and 50 dropbacks. And and have to deal with that and those other pass rushers because they got multiple and it's not just on the outside, the interior with Jonathan Allen. I mean, they have a lot to deal with on that defensive front. And that's why they're so good against the pass. Like Washington, if you play fantasy football and you have a receiver on the Bengals and you look, I think they're like 31st to 32nd uh, in fantasy points scored 
or given up against opposing wide receivers. And it's because they've held them in check. And I think a big reason why is because of that pass rush and what they do. So in this case, I, I think it's one, establish the run early if you can, just to keep them honest because of that game script, game script that you mentioned. And then the other thing is when you do need to throw it, can Williams hold up? I mean, that's because I, from what I've heard, Chase Young's gotten double teamed a couple times. Are we going to see that? Do you think that they're going to try to to chip them and do other things? Because they face some really good pass rushers and, and haven't necessarily done that to them. I mean, they, they actually have done quite – they did it to T.J. Watt quite a bit. Well, T.J. Watt, sure. Early in the year, you didn't see as much of it. But for, for guys that they think are much better than the guy on the other side, like they did it for T.J. Watt, they did it a little bit for – actually, they did it quite a bit for Miles Garrett as well against the Browns uh, both times they played him. But on the other side from the rookie, Chase Young, who is a very, very good rookie, and, and don't get me wrong there, they've got Montez Sweat who can get after the passer too. And you mentioned inside. They've, they've got Jonathan Allen who can push the pocket. I actually think that they will probably help on which, you know, I think they're going to help based on matchups. I don't think they're going to necessarily help more on Young side than Sweat side. But I, I think they might help more on Bobby Hart's side, where they might they might try to chip on both sides equally. But uh, I think that they should be okay against the pass rush. It's just a matter of if the game goes off the rails, how are they going to hold up? There are a couple more matchups when the Bengals have the ball. There's a lot of stuff that we have to talk about with Washington's offense. We'll get into all that coming up next. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash dellemc. 
James, before we switch to the Washington offense and the Bengals defense, let's quickly hit on a couple more interesting notes while the Bengals have the ball. The back end of that uh, Washington football team, I didn't know much about it before a couple days ago. I hadn't really paid any attention to Washington this year until I started getting ready for this game. Their corners much improved with Ronald Darby and Kendall Fuller playing outside for them. Jimmy Moreland, a late-round corner that I actually liked a little bit in the draft, playing in the slot. So they they have some decent to better-than-decent cornerback play. Those safeties are not names that I recognize at all. And I think that perhaps the Bengals could take advantage of those, those safeties a little bit. We talked a lot about the defensive line, and for good reason. That front four is far and away the strength of the Washington defense. So if, if pass protection holds up and stop me, if you've heard this before, the Bengals should be able to move the ball. And, and I think that the Bengals offense should be able to move the ball in this game. I expect them to be able to keep pace at the very least with the Washington offense. So to me, James, and, and let me know if you disagree with that, the, the game really comes down to what's going on, Lou Anarumo. Where's that roulette wheel going to land this week? Partially, I, I do. I, I also think that, that some teams just need to outscore. You need to be able to outscore them. And so can they go on the road and score 35 and or 38 if that's what it takes? And that's that's much easier said than done. I am curious to see uh, if, if we see more Auden Tate this week or if they use green in, in, in a different way uh, and move them around the offense just a little bit more to try to get him involved because up until the Pittsburgh game, it was a three-headed monster at receiver. And it was green for a couple weeks, and then it was Tate. You didn't see that last week. And I think they need to get back to that if they're going to be pass-heavy, which is what I think they are just naturally. That's their offense. Um, But, yeah, on the flip side, I I agree with you that this defense has to do one of two things. Either find a way to get stops, which they haven't proven. And they did a a decent job, actually. They exceeded my expectations against Pittsburgh, considering the circumstances. They really did. Or find a way to get takeaways. And against Alex Smith, I feel like that's really a hard thing to do because he's he's the king of the check down. He's not going to be afraid to throw it to J.D. McKissick in the flat 13 times in the first half. He will take the check down every single time, and he's so disciplined with it, and he's not afraid to punt, and he's not afraid to throw it away, and that's what he will do. He's going to manage the game, and that is not an insult. That's just what he is. And um, so if that's the case – then you're going to have to get stops because if you're giving him six, eight yards on, on dump offs, then he's just going to slowly move the ball down the field. He's going to be that disciplined. So how do you do that? Well, you don't have a pass rush outside of Carl Lawson. You can't get to the quarterback. So I think in, and what do you think about this, Jake blitz, find a way to blitz, find a way to try to get some pressure on him because you know, if you give him time, he's just going to make the right decision every time and slowly move the ball or matriculate the ball <laughs> down the field. Every week. Do you think we've said matriculate the ball down the field every week since the season started? Probably, Probably. not every week, but I bet you it's really close. Yeah, I, I have one reservation with the Blitz, which is the Washington offensive line has been playing pretty well, and Alex Smith is a veteran that's going to get them into the right protections more often than not. When Luana Rimo has sent the Blitz this year, it's been picked up more often than not, and they've been burnt. And Alex Smith, 
yeah, he's a game manager, but if you send blitzes, that's a way the game managers can turn slants into big plays in cover zero. And not that the Bengals are running cover zero, but there there is a risk there, and it hasn't been very effective for the Bengals. They haven't been getting home with the blitz, and the defensive line hasn't been very good. So we're looking at another week where I have very little confidence in the Bengals' ability to get pressure. You know who needs the blitz more? Von Bell. Get him out sure, of coverage. Yeah. Blitz him more. Get him around the line of scrimmage more. And if you need another player that can guard, can Sean Williams get any run? Like, does he just not, is he not allowed to play defense anymore? It's one of the weird things. Like, he's a defensive captain. Captain. He's got like he's and he had like six snaps on defense last week. I might be off by like three, but he didn't have many. He's one of those veterans that's getting phased out. Brandon Williams was on the field at least as much, if not more. He was on the Brandon field. Wilson. Brandon Wilson, sorry. He was on the field quite a bit against Pittsburgh. So I don't know. I mean, I, I thought that that was something we were going to see this season. I thought we were going to see the Sean Williams, Jesse Bates free and the, and the Von Bell, you know, linebacker, line of scrimmage, rover role. And, and we're not really seeing it. But I, I do still think that they're going to have a hard time getting getting pressure. And so that is really the concern because the the wide receivers aren't great in Washington, but the Bengals corners certainly not up to the task. And so if you give Alex Smith time, he's going to find those matriculate the ball down the field kind of options. So what you have to do if you're the Bengals, I think you got to I think you got to shadow Terry McLaurin. I think you got to shadow him with William Jackson. And then you got to just hope that, you know, LaShawn Sims and Mackenzie Alexander hold up. They call him Scary Terry for a reason. Terry McLaurin is a baller, straight up baller. I love his game. One of the best young receivers in the NFL, one of the best receivers in the NFL. So I'm totally with you because if I'm Washington, guess what I want? Terry McLaurin versus LaShawn Sims. That's the matchup I'm trying to find. And if I can find that and make that work, then I'm going to roll with it, baby, because guess what? Number 17 is going to win that all day long. Maybe 38 will win it once in a while, but not many times. So I agree with you. I think that that's, that's the first key. And the linebackers are going to be tested in this one, Jake, because I mentioned J.D. McKissick. He's not like this, you know, he's not Alvin Kamara or anything like that. But this dude is going to be heavily involved in the offense. Antonio Gibson's another guy who can make you miss out of the backfield. And these guys are going to have to to get downhill. They're going to have to be able to guard, and they're going to have to tackle. And th- that's kind of what's going to, to to test them here. Because again, Alex Smith is okay with the dinking and dunking. Can you avoid the missed tackles and just make the fir- the first guy get him in, in, and get the guy the ball carrier down? If you can do that, then this offense isn't nearly as scary, especially if you're shadowing McLaurin with William Jackson. Fun fact, James, I think we'll see a lot of passes this weekend. On the season, Cincinnati has run the ball 34% of their plays. Washington, just 35% of their plays. They're both passing the ball about two-thirds of the time. So that could be fun. The Bengals have a better passing game overall this year. I think that's changed a little bit when Alex Smith came in. And the last fun fact before we get to your predictions in line with those predictions and, and something I find very interesting, for those people that are betting the game straight up, more people seem to be betting on Cincinnati to win. And people are hammering the over in this game. The over-under set at 48 points. People are hammering the over 95% of cash 
on the over in this game, which is insane. And the last thing that's kind of weird is, despite there being more tickets bet on Cincinnati to cover the spread, which essentially means win, because at this point it's minus one Washington. There's more money coming in on Washington to cover the spread, even though if for people betting the game straight up, there's more people betting on the Bengals with those extra uh, dollars in their favor because of the way that the, the, the lines work, the plus 100 versus minus 106, you know what I mean. So, James, now that we've gone through all this betting information, that comes from PFF Green Line, by the way. How are you feeling about this weekend? This is a tough game to gauge, Jake, and I feel like I have a, a really good pulse on how things are going to go, usually by this time in the week, and we're recording on Thursday night. And I'm a bit lost here, Jake. I got to be honest with you. Um, I had to put in my picks uh, for SI earlier today. I did pick the Bengals. Uh, and as we've recorded this, it, I, I've slowly like went through my thoughts on it. I think Zach Taylor is going to get it done. They bounce back from that week five performance in week six. Had a really good showing, at least for, we'll say a half, even though that second quarter was brutal. Had a, a pretty good showing against the Colts on the road. I think they get the job done. They might not have a 21-point edge like they did against Indianapolis, but they're going to find a way to win. Give me the Bengals and the over, which I feel like is dangerous since everyone's hammering the over. I, I would go under if I would bet it. So don't take my betting advice. This has nothing to do with the betting advice. Give me the Bengals, 27-24. Yeah, I mean, that definitely hits the over. I know. And guess who's not betting the over? I'm not touching it. But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take the Bengals in this one. Guess who's going to kick the game winner? Randy Bullock, baby. Well, Randy thought, Bullock, baby. I thought we were going to go bold and go with Kevin Huber after Randy Bullock has a calves injury. <laughs> no? Well, if it's Randy Bullock kicking a game winner, I think all Bengals fans will be thrilled. Everybody knows I don't give predictions. I do feel good about this game for the Bengals. I think that this is a game that they should be able to hang with the Washington football team. I think that they have the tools. They have the matchups. I mean, things can obviously go wrong, but to me, very winnable game this weekend. A little bit stronger of a feeling for this game than I had on some previous toss-ups this year, even. But we will see how it goes. It's a road game, and those generally have not fallen the Bengals' way. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back on Sunday after the Bengals have concluded playing against the Washington football team. And I regret to inform you ahead of time, there will not be a woo regardless of the outcome. But I hope against all hope that the Bengals pull out a win in the nation's capital. Until Sunday, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. 
come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.